What do Soviet spies, the words Taman should, ciphers, and a dead body all have in common? They're all associated with the mystery of the Somerton Man. Today, we'll tell the story of the enigmatic man found dead on an Australian beach and discuss rumors and theories about who he is and how he came about doing a death. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're curious what the phrase Tamam should actually translates to, stick around. Let's just say it's something College Mike likely often said to sorority girls five seconds after entering their love canal. This is Necronomapod. For over 70 years, the body of the Somerton Man has laid unidentified and undisturbed in a West Terrace grave. But today, he and his secrets are brought to the surface. Major crime detectives with special permission to exhume the remains, the goal to extract his DNA. It's a little bit different to the normal work we do in that there's a lot more mystery and probably public interest in this. The topsoil removed, the forensic experts moved in, meticulously combing through the soil until they reached their target. The summit of man's not just a curiosity um, or a mystery to be solved, it's somebody's father, son, perhaps grandfather, uncle, brother, um, and that's why we're doing this. So if you follow us on any of the uh, Necronomapod uh, social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I believe it was yesterday as well, earlier this past week, whenever you hear this, our intern uh, Declan posted <laughs> a photo of young Ian, high school Ian. Yeah. It was quite a popular photo. Senior year from Ian. What, <laughs> from what I've been told, people seem to, to mark out for it and love it. A lot of asking Alexandria claims out there. Yeah, with people yeah. hitting you up. Yeah, saying that I'm for sure a fan. <laughs> Just because I had that, that hair what? doesn't mean that I had a bad taste in music. <laughs> Is that what hurts the most? Like they could yeah. make fun of you, say you look like a doofus, whatever. But if yeah. they say no, you're an asking Alexandria and asking Alexandria fan. That's like when you throw hands. Yeah, I've always had a good taste in music. <laughs> he takes pride in that. Don't let looks fool you. He may not have good taste in hairdo. Very true. <laughs> I think the only thing missing from that photo was some eyeliner. Yeah. That's the only Could thing. have added that in. We should have. <laughs> Fuck you doing, Declan. Well, good. That was fun. People seem to enjoy that. Long time ago. 2005. Uh, it's further back than I care to think about. Doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> But anyways, good stuff. It was fun. What else we got going on? Bundy series seemed to go pretty well. People seem to enjoy that. Yeah. Got it done in three parts. I don't know if that's... Major achievement. It really is. I don't know if that's good or bad. Listeners might have wanted more, but we told the whole story. Yeah, I think part four would have been kind of boring if we stretched it out. Yeah. It was a good thorough last episode. Yeah. It was like a vintage Necronomapod to our 19-hour John Benet Ramsey episodes and all that stuff, which we don't do very often anymore. Yeah, we haven't had a long one in a while. Yeah. I think Casey Anthony, part one and two, are both like two hours long. Mm. I think that was we the last that. really long one. I think my, uh, my Kent episode just cracked two hours. Pretty close, I think. I think so. We Sounds right. Yeah. But then, yeah, especially because we did two parts previous to do a third long part. Pretty solid series, I think. So, anyways, what else? We sell any stickers, Dave, on our 4th of July sale? Yeah, people seem to be uh, partaking of the sale. 
It's still up. They were drunk. It'll be up for till whenever. Drunk and patriotic, and they wanted to spend $7.04 on three stickers. Why not? It's a good deal. I did not light off any fireworks no. this past weekend. Hmm. I had a dream that I blew my fingers off <laughs> with firecrackers. So, and that was the day before. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to fuck around this year with any fireworks. Right. I'm just going to let that go. Disaster avoided. Good what, call. What's the thing we talked about? I don't even remember the episode, but it's like where when you want something really bad, if you just think about it a lot and hard enough. Oh, yeah. like willing something into existence, yeah, like, like your intention. Yeah, like not like a tulpa type, but like. Like chaos magic kind of stuff. Yeah. Alistair Crowley. Yeah, that's remember an Alistair Crowley episode. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to tempt that. No, no. If you're dreaming about stuff, then the next day you're thinking about it. Yeah. Even though you don't want that. And your hands just point a Roman candle like <laughs> at your body or something. Or yeah. you're throwing an M80 and your fingers just close. No, thanks. Yeah, no. <laughs> I love fucking around with fireworks. I do, but too. This year, I did not. Were there, I wasn't in town for the this year. Were there fireworks around here? Yes, nonstop for hours and hours. My dog is, her heart's going to give out. She's had like five straight days of panic attacks. And then what? big storms last night to cap it off. What is it with hillbillies and like fireworks. <laughs> it's fun like, to blow shit up. Like if there's things hillbillies love, it's cheap light beer. It's grown men wearing tights wrestling in a ring. It's cars <laughs> driving in circles and it's fireworks. And they're happy as can be. I, you're describing most of the things you love in this world. So I don't. <laughs> well, I was thinking I, I don't love fire. I mean, fireworks Other are okay. Fireworks. And. I was thinking more natty and bush light, which oh, is a step understood. below Diet Miller, please, on the scale. But the other two, yeah, big fans. I'll admit I, I'm it. A it half, is. I'm a half hillbilly. Yeah. I accept that. That's, that's a valid assessment yeah. of yourself. I you guess. won't often see me drinking bush light unless it's the only thing available. <laughs> Weren't you trying to win something out of a yeah, bush Yeah, two tickets to the Daytona 500. Yeah. Remember that? He was right. buying those 30 packs of buy, it. Oh, it was so <laughs> bad. It was reminding me of like, remember the Seinfeld when Newman and Kramer are trying to get the recycles in Michigan? So yes. that they have Newman pounding these seven ups yes. and he's like gagging and struggling. That was me drinking bush light. I was like, why? It's not worth it. And like, as soon as you open the box, you knew whether or not you won. Then I would have 30 beers and I'm oh. like, I'm not going to throw them away. That stuff's awful. I mean, like, what was your chances of winning versus the pain you have to endure drinking that piss <laughs> well, Don't get me wrong. Now we're big time podcast stars. I just throw it away. But, you know, <laughs> back then I had, I had a drink of some Bush Light, I guess. Ugh. Awful. Yeah, it was not pleasant. I think that was the last time I drank it. Yeah. And I did not win. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? It's all right. You know what? Soon we're going to be invited to Daytona 500. Yeah. Well. I'm going to will it into existence. <laughs> I'll be waiting for that one. Yeah. But just to confirm, it is fun to blow stuff up. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. It's a lot of fun. So that's your hillbilly side. You're down with the fireworks. I do like doing it. I haven't done them in a long time, but I used to do fireworks every year. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a fan of doing them myself. I'll watch them. They're okay. Like, it's cool. But I can go the rest of my life without ever seeing one again, and I would be just fine. There's just something that's fun about like even when you get a little too close to it and you're like, oh god damn. Oh yeah. And I start laughing about it. Quick wicks and stuff. You're <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> this is this is enjoyment for you guys. <laughs> this is this is borderline sadistic. Like, oh fuck, I almost just blew my face off. <laughs> Man, that was cool. Let's do it again. Pour me another shot of Jaeger. Let's do it again. Is life even great without the the thrill of risking it? Yes. Chance of losing it? Come on. I I don't know. 
in that situation, probably, because I feel like there's not much of a payoff. You see, you see a half a second boom. Yeah. It's fun. Though. I do like the ones that screech that are almost like our screaming death whistles. Like those, I don't what are those called. I'm not a firework. Like the Geek. Whistler bottle rocket. Like just ones like, Wee! you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's fun. Some of those old tanks will do that too. Oh, yeah. Tanks. Now you guys are using language I don't even understand. I like those ones that shoot the army guys out like up in the air and they have a parachute that's on their back. You got to try and find them. Those are great. That's, that's you super guys sound like shit. Joe Dirt now in the movie when he's fucking naming off all those fireworks. Whisker do's, whisker don'ts. In Ohio now they're legal unless your city prohibits it. So us out in the township here, we can do anything we want. Well, the city, because I live in the city technically, so it's illegal there. Yeah, but they, that shop that they opened up is like 10 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. They weren't enforcing that. The whole fucking put my whole neighborhood was just going off. Yeah. Well, it sounds like yeah. both of you, if you well, were like, them all night too, how are you going to open up a store 10 minutes away and then expect people not to be blowing them off? It's also funny how like you guys love fireworks as long as you're the ones doing them. But as soon as someone else does, <laughs> it's a huge inconvenience in your life. Oh, no, I was all about <laughs> it. Like, no, this has got to stop. It's just booming all night long. There were some kids across the street from me blowing them off in the school parking lot. Yeah. And I went outside and watched them. I'm like, I'll watch what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I feel, I feel bad for my dog. I try to keep her in the basement. I gave her Valium yeah. all weekend. She's stoned, but you know who doesn't like fireworks? Realize. Dogs. No, she hates it. Then big thunderstorm last night, so five days in a row. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. We're not going out down the weather route. We're not talking about the weather. <laughs> I do think it's funny, like all these high school kids, like across the street from Ian, shooting out these fireworks, thinking they're getting in trouble. Ian comes out with a lawn chair and a cooler, and he's just like, come on, put on a good well, show, boys. They kept running away after every time they lit something. They'd like run off into the trees. I'm like, I'm not going to tell on you. Like, I'm out here hanging out. Yeah, let's go. I'm here for the show. Like, start blowing this shit up. Come like on, they would pussies. Like, <laughs> they would, like, one at a time. I'm like, all right, come on, fucking. You're like, where's the grand finale? Come on. I want, like, ten in, in a row. <laughs> so, all right. Anyways, this, uh, how the fuck did we get on this case? This is something different. You picked it, right? I think I suggest it, yeah. How did you hear about this one? I don't know. I've read about it before in the past. I noticed it was on our list of uh, listener suggestions. I said, that's a great idea. It's a fun story. Listener suggestions or Australian listener suggestions? I do not have that information. I cannot be that specific. Okay. I'd just be surprised if they knew how to spell and like type out an actual recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I kid because I care. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. That's what I'm going with today. Let's dive in. This almost is a D.B. Cooper type uh, episode. Very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. On November 30th, 1948, a husband and wife couple were walking along Somerton Beach, which is southwest of Adelaide, South Australia. And the beach is close to Adelaide. It's like a 15 minute drive. This couple saw a man sitting on the beach directly across from the crippled children's home. Different times with the name of that. uh, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That place. And they saw this man lift up his right arm and drop it limply. To them, it looked like he was trying to light a cigarette, but he was too drunk and just said, fuck it. I've been there, pal. I get it. Just over it at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Another married couple saw the man from 7.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. During that 30 minutes, they saw the man lying on the beach. These witnesses said that he appeared to change position, but he didn't sit up or anything like that. Like maybe he rolled from his side to his back. They pointed out that there was a bunch of mosquitoes out that night, and they thought it was weird that this guy wasn't reacting to them. 
but they just chalked it up to that he was probably drunk and fell asleep. Finally, another woman saw a man standing at the top of stairs leading down to the beach, staring down at the man that was lying on the beach. It sounds like this guy was trying to determine whether or not the unknown man was drunk, and it's safe to assume that he did because he just walked away. Not a lot of good Samaritans over in the penal colony, huh? Or maybe it's just Check really common. <laughs> maybe it's really common that people get drunk and fall asleep outside. It's just people passed out all over the streets and the <laughs> yeah. beaches in Australia. That's what I want to think. I want to think they're swell, decent people, but they're just like, oh, fucking drunk. Let them sleep it off. I guess, yeah. They're not just like, oh, that guy's dying. Fuck him. <laughs> Probably deserved it. Let's go get a Foster's. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> the next morning on December 1st at 6.30 a.m., the first couple that saw the man called the police because he was still lying there. Police came and found that the man was dead. He was on his back, but his head was propped up against a seawall. His arms were flat at his sides, and his legs were also lying flat, but his ankles were crossed. The man was wearing a white shirt, a red, white, and blue tie, brown pants, brown socks, and brown shoes, a brown knitted pullover, kind of a sweater type thing, and over top of that, he was wearing a brown and gray jacket that was said to have American tailoring. He had no hat or wallet, which police pointed out was odd for the time. He had probably just shaved the day before, and he had no ID on him. All of the labels were pulled off his clothes, which initially sounds weird, but uh, it was pointed out that it could have been thrift clothing. At the time, people wrote their last names on tags of their clothing. When people bought from thrift stores or something like that, they just ripped out the tags if there was another name on them. That makes sense. You wouldn't want to wear secondhand clothing with someone else's name, I guess. Yeah. And I read there was a lot of rationing because it was right after the war and it was hard to get new clothes. So fairly okay. common to buy secondhand stuff, I think. When police searched the man's body, they found an unlit cigarette in the right collar of his coat. Not just unlit, partially smoked, right? I read that too somewhere. Oh, I didn't see that. Maybe part. you were done and you save it for later, right? Yeah. Or like it was his last smoke and I don't know. Maybe it just like fell out of his mouth halfway through Something? and got stuck. Someone extinguished his smoke while they extinguished his life. There you go. I don't know. Maybe he inhaled too many fumes from the extinguisher and caused him to choke and suffer and slowly <laughs> die. Anything's possible here. Well, we solved it. What's, <laughs> what do we cover next week? In his pockets, they found an unused train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, a bus ticket from Adelaide that didn't appear to be used, but police couldn't know for sure, a comb made out of aluminum that was made in the United States, a half-empty pack of Juicy Fruit gum, an Army Club brand of cigarettes with seven cigarettes inside, but the cigarettes inside the pack weren't Army Club. They were Conceda's cigarettes. It's curious. Yeah, that's, that's odd. Odd. And a box of Bryant and May matches that was about a quarter full. Is it? I mean, you almost get the, the sense that this guy could have been like a tramp type. If he's bumming smokes off people, would it be uncommon for him just to put them in a, whatever pack he still had just to keep them from getting crushed or anything? I suppose that's possible. That was what I thought. But are you bumming that's seven, not of, solving the same, the case, seven of the same kind from different people? Maybe seven from maybe, the same maybe person. Maybe he met a very generous person. Yeah, maybe. Like, here, leave me the fuck alone. Or he traded. I'll give you this for seven cigarettes. Yeah, who knows? It's, you know, a penal colony. Isn't it all about the barter system there? <laughs> give you this pack of ramen. He won them in a card game. Yeah, there you go. Out in the, out in the yard. What's the, <laughs> what's the booze they make in the toilets? 
uh, in prisons. Fuck, what's that called? Oh, like bathroom hooch kind of? Yeah, like hooch. Maybe, maybe you traded some hooch for seven smokes. <laughs> well, I'm a little confused why he had these nice clothes on. I thought it was just standard black and white striped uniforms that everyone over there wore. With the black and white hat, right? He right. the hat. So they were like, well, this is odd. <laughs> Do you think Australians have already turned us off? They're like, fuck, I'm not listening to a whole episode of this. <laughs> Dumb Americans. There was an autopsy done, and the report said that the man probably died around 2 a.m. on December 1st, and it said, quote, The heart was of normal size and normal in every way. Small vessels not commonly observed in the brain were easily discernible with congestion. There was congestion of the pharynx, and the gullet was covered with whitening of superficial layers of the, the mucus with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. The stomach was deeply congested. There was congestion in the second half of the duodenum. There was blood mixed with the food in the stomach. Both kidneys were congested, and the liver contained a great excess of blood in its vessels. The spleen was strikingly large, about three times normal size. There was destruction of the center of the liver lobules revealed under the microscope. Acute gastritis hemorrhage, extensive congestion of the liver and spleen, and the congestion to the brain. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, the, his, the his blood, organs were really fucked up. Yeah, the blood in his stomach is what indicative of an ulcer, probably. The heart was so. the only normal thing. It sounded like. Yeah, his spleen was crazy three times. Yeah. What does a spleen even do? Even you don't even need a spleen. Uh, Waste. I, I think I read once it's for digesting cauliflower. <laughs> so, I, I did a science. <laughs> really. <laughs> They also said this guy was in really, really good shape, especially his calf muscles were like, oh, yeah, I read about up calves, like crazy. Yeah. Like they theorize that he could have been like a ballet dancer or something yeah, yeah. because he was so in shape. Yeah. Wasn't there something about his toes pointing into like he probably wore those kind of ballet type pointy shoes or something else like that? Yeah. It's a fun little tidbit. Interesting, right? And also they said they uh, they estimate he died at 2 a.m., right? So those bad good samaritans could have saved them if they would have went and helped maybe because he yeah. was uh, mm-hmm. clearly still alive well it sounds like based on his movements that they perceived as something else he was probably dying when they saw him yeah the autopsy also showed that the man ate a pasty about three hours before he died i go for a pasty right now that sounds good yeah. what is a pasty like just a pastry no it's like a, a meat and vegetable pie pastry oh. kind of thing that they eat over believe it's british in the uk i'm in yummy right sure yeah tasty i had to look it up and when i saw pictures i'm like all right yeah, I'd yeah eat that. sounds good however even though doctors were certain that the man was either poisoned or committed suicide by a, an overdose or poisoning nothing was found in his system there was no cause of death no identification and furthermore none of the witnesses from november 30th saw his face close up so they couldn't make an id of him there was some debate if he was even the same man or if he was put there in the middle of the night, like if this, this was just somebody completely different. He obviously wasn't dressed for hanging out on the beach and his shoes were noticeably polished like he had not walked in sand at all. Mm. So maybe he was dumped there earlier in the day, but before the passerbys had seen him the previous evening. Or, there. or the passerby saw a drunk guy and then... That drunk guy eventually got up in the moonlight and walked away, and then this yeah. guy was drugged in his place. Seems unlikely. Yeah. I think. 
I would l- say it's 99% sure yeah. it's, this is the same guy. I, I, I agree. Sure, saying we're not on the theory that there's just a bunch of drunk, passed out people everywhere. <laughs> there might have only been uh, one guy. As unlikely as that sounds, that, that, <laughs> that may have been the case on this particular on, evening. You guys are on some conspiracies over here. With no leads to go on or anything, the man was embalmed on December 10th, 1948, and the case went cold. Then, January 14th, 1949, someone working at the Adelaide train station found a brown briefcase that had been checked into the station on November 30th. Based on the time that the briefcase was checked in and the ticket found in his pocket, the briefcase was most definitely the unknown man's. Inside the briefcase, they found a tie, an undershirt, a red checkered robe, a pair of size 11 red slippers, four pairs of underwear, pajamas, a brown pair of pants with sand on them, as in um, there was sand in the cuffs at the ankles, Mm -hmm. shaving cream and a razor, a screwdriver, a butter knife that was filed down to a sharp point, scissors with points that had been sharpened, a square of zinc, which I read that that, they thought that that was like... um, used to sharpen that butter that butter knife down like a sharpening stone kind yeah of. Okay. kind of deal um a stenciling brush which would be used to put stencils on cargo being loaded onto a ship and a card for barber brand thread okay a lot of interesting things in the suitcase a or briefcase five, if you will yeah. one of those shaved down for as weapons maybe lock picking tools or i didn't even think of lock picking i thought of like hmm. Just some type of a weapon, but yeah. Or a combination of both. I don't know. So two things with uh, the, the briefcase. The Barber brand thread was an orange wax coated thread. It was the same thread used to repair the lining in a pocket of the pants that the man was wearing when he died. That thread was not imported to Australia. Also, a name on the tie was T. Keen. There was also a laundry bag with Keen written on it and an undershirt in the briefcase that had Keen written on it. The one, the undershirt was spelled K-E-A-N. The other two were K-E-A-N-E. Hmm. Different spelling, but presumably still pronounced the same. There were also three dry cleaning receipts numbered um, 1,171 out of 7, 4,393 out of 7, and 3,053 out of 7. Curiouser and curiouser. So at least so far, the thread puts him that he had to have been outside of Australia at some point. Or someone brought it to him. Right. Yeah, so he had contact, at least, with someone outside. Right. Or stole it. Or stole it. Maybe he stole the whole briefcase. Could have. From T. Keen. From T. Keen. A search found that no T. Keen was missing as far as uh, authorities could search. Like They, they put out... I don't know, like teletypes, whatever, as far as they could. And they couldn't find uh, anybody missing by the name T. Keen. They looked at the train schedule records, and they thought that the man got to Adelaide by train coming from Melbourne or Sydney. They guessed that he shaved and showered at the city baths, which from my understanding is just like a public pool. The dry cleaning receipt numbers were sent out nationwide, but nothing came of it. And at that point, a plaster cast was made of the man's head to his shoulders in case someone could ever identify him. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. 
Symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. When I get burned out, my stress level skyrockets. This usually causes me to have crippling anxiety, which then prevents me from getting anything done. I often have to take time to stop, remind myself to breathe, and just relax. Talking with someone about how you're feeling can also help you out, more than you probably realize. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. So whether life currently has you down, you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain in our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Around the time the initial investigation was wrapping up and going completely cold, it was found that one of the man's pockets had a fob pocket sewn in. A fob pocket's like a pocket within a pocket. His pants weren't made like that. Someone had made it later using the thread that was coated in orange wax. That thread turned out to be Barber brand, and that card for Barber brand thread was found in the man's briefcase. Inside this fob pocket was a little rolled up piece of paper with the words, to mom shooed. Police reached out to public libraries to figure out what book this was torn out of. They found that it was torn out of the last page of the Rubiat of Omar Kiam. And Tamam Shud means it ends or it's finished in Persian. Hence my opener. Mm-hmm. Five seconds. Did you say five <laughs> seconds? <laughs> oh, I, I, I just thought you were making a mom joke. I didn't even catch that. Oh, no. <laughs> five seconds after you entered the love canal, it's finished. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he just doubled my pace. So thanks, pal. <laughs> Usually I'm done before I even enter, but I just you know, do it for, for the act of it, I guess, for their sake. <laughs> the Rubiat was a Persian to English translation of Omar Kiam's poems, with the translation being done by Edward Fitzgerald. At first, the book was not successful, but years later, it blew up, kind of like a trendy book of uh, poems for the time. From an 11th century poet? Yeah, who is, I was reading it's debated if like the works were even his. Oh, really? Because he was an astronomer. Hmm. He wasn't a poet. You know, that wasn't like his first thing. He was an astronomer. So there's some debate if it's even like legit. Interesting. There were so many different reprints of the book. And what police in Adelaide found was that the page inside the man's pocket was in a very odd font that they couldn't match to any other copies. Police put out a picture of the torn paper reading to mom shoot out to the public and asked anyone who recognized the font to come forward if they had any information. Not too long after, a man came forward with the exact copy of the Rubiat that the words were torn from. 
investigators couldn't match the font because that copy of the Rubiot was an extremely rare New Zealand print. Like we're talking maybe 50 to 100 prints were made that existed. The man who came forward is only known by the pseudonym Ronald Francis. His name has never been made public. So Ronald Francis said that he didn't know where the book came from exactly. Most reports say that Ronald and his brother drove together most of the time and that they left their car unlocked. Ronald said that the book was on the floor in the back of the car and just assumed that it was his brother's. And then he also said that his brother just assumed it was his. Like when they saw this on the news, he showed the book to his brother and his brother was like, yeah, that's not mine. I thought it was yours. How is this even possible? <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. It's crazy. At this point, it sounds to me like our mysterious guy is a tramp or a bum and he kind of just roams around. He steals, he gets by and whatever. Maybe he slept that night in their car and then got up the next day, took off, left his book. Why did he tear the piece out and sew it into a special pocket on his pants? Because he thought he was being, you know, all cool. And like, that was his suicide note. It's finished. I'm finished. That is a popular theory that we'll talk about. Interesting. All right. This is the weirdest part of the story. The guy just like, saw it on the news like, oh, I have that book. I think it's uh, my brother's laying in the back of the car. <laughs> oh, look, it's the exact one they're looking for. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, seriously? Right. And for the record, that's my theory based on when I was reading this the first time. Obviously, uh, I was learning about it because I had never heard of this. That was my thought at this point was like, oh, that's just like his clever way of doing a suicide note. And I just kind of thought of this guy as like a bum. That's a really uh, popular theory. That we'll talk I about. Should, I could be sure. a police detective in Australia. There you go. <laughs> you should pursue that dream, Mike. It's just like, what are the chances, right? Like, have you seen a picture of the, what the words looked like? Mm -hmm. So it is a really odd font. Yeah. What are the chances that there's probably about 50 of these printed and it just happens to end up in this guy's car with that piece of paper torn out in, right. in this guy's sewn in pocket like random made up pocket it's unexplainable yeah uh-huh i'll have declan use that for that did ronald <laughs> is ronald in the same city was he from adelaide too i'm not i'm gonna assume yeah, but i don't I know for sure local like a local person the reporting is a little sketchy or mm -hmm. you know whatever on some of this because some accounts say that it was his brother-in-law not his actual brother. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, it was found in the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> There's some confusion regarding when that copy of the Rubiot was found. One newspaper says the book was found a week or two before the man died, while a former Australian police officer says that it was found just after the man was found dead. The timing is a big question in this case. Based on the suitcase, the man would have arrived in Adelaide the day before he was found on the beach. If the book was actually found one or two weeks before, it suggests that the man had visited previously or had been in Adelaide for a longer period of time. Seems like an important detail, perhaps. That we just don't know. Yeah. That might help narrow. I don't know exactly what, but <laughs> make at least that part a little clearer. <laughs> Investigators found in the back of the book were the words Tamam Shud were torn from there were indentations from someone writing in the book and it seemed to be some form of a cipher that read first line w r g o a b a b d then the second line m l i a 
O-I, and that line was crossed out. Then W-T-B-I-M-P-A-N-E-T-P. Then there's an X that had been crossed out. Then another line, M-L-I-A-B-O-A-I-A-Q-C. Then the final line, I-T-T-M-T-S-A-M-S-T-G-A-B. The line that's crossed out is presumed to be an error in the cipher, like whoever wrote it crossed it out when they messed up. Seems to me like he was trying to write a suicide note, but was too fucking drunk and was like, fuck it, I'll just cut this word out, put it in my pocket. (laughs) Case closed. Got it all figured out, Mike. (laughs) Hmm. So we're assuming this is the message, but you would need to figure out what the cipher is in order to decipher this message. Yeah, you would need to know what the key is. Yeah. Ciphers are fun. It's a cool little. I find them very, very interesting. They're very cool. I do, too. I just don't, I don't understand them. It's all about finding patterns, right? Yeah. Like I, I watched a uh, show on the Zodiac cipher when we were doing that. Yeah. It was really interesting to, to, you know, see how people try to crack that way over my head. You got to have a certain type of brain that works a specific way to be able to do that. Yeah. It's a different skill set. We're not going to be cracking codes here tonight. No, we're just solving cases. (laughs) There's a really cool website with this, though. It's tamamshu.blogspot.com. That's completely dedicated to the cipher and the handwriting of the cipher and other things that we're going to talk about. So if anybody's interested in that and want to, you know, want to check it out further, that website has a ton of stuff. Cryptographers for the Australian Department of Defense studied the cipher and reported, quote, it would be impossible to provide a satisfactory answer. If the text were an encrypted message, its brevity meant that it had insufficient symbols from which a clear meaning could be extracted and the text could be the meaningless product of a disturbed mind. So even experts did look at it and were like, yeah, there's probably, we're not finding anything to this. Yeah. Unless you had the key. Right. Because it's too short to find patterns, right? When you have big long notes, like the Zodiac thing, you can, it's easier to find patterns. There's not much here. Yeah, and, and when some of it's crossed out, like, yeah, does that sure. mean something? Does it not? Like, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. The the website I talked about that Blogspot one, they like even go into analyzing handwriting from people we're going to talk about later in this okay. episode. Different, you know, people involved in this. It gets real intense on there. Let me guess. Both brothers had no idea who the, whose writing was. Oh, I thought it was his notes. Oh, I thought it was your note. <laughs> in the back of the book, investigators also found a telephone number. The phone number belonged to Jessica Harkness Thompson, who was born in Sydney and lived about 1,300 feet from where the unknown man was found dead. When Jessica was interviewed, she said that she didn't know who the man was or why he would have her phone number. All she said was that sometime in late 1948, an unknown man knocked on her door, but she didn't answer. And then that same man asked her next door neighbor about her. Jessica was shown the plaster cast of the man, and according to the lead investigator, she was, quote, completely taken back to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint. The man that made the plaster cast was also there and said that when Jessica looked at it, that she turned away real quick and refused to look at it a second time. A little fishy. And now we're getting to some interesting stuff here. While being interviewed further, Jessica said that while she was working as a nurse at the Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney during World War II, she owned a copy of the Rubaiyat. 
Jessica said that she gave her copy to an Australian Army lieutenant in 1945 named Alf Boxel. Jessica said that after the war, she moved to Melbourne and got married to a guy named Prosper Thompson, and that she received one letter from Alf Boxel, to which she replied that she was married. I'm not sure how important it is to the story, but it's pointed out that um, this communication between Jessica and Alf happened in 1949, and Jessica didn't get married until 1950. They have the coolest names, right? Alf and Prosper. Yeah. Prosper Thompson. I was actually That's going to just name. say that it's been a long time since we've discussed someone having a cool name. Alf Boxel might be a top fiver for me. Yeah. That's a sweet name. Pretty cool. Prosper is a cool name, too, but you got yeah. Thompson after. I mean, that's kind of common. Alf Boxel. Yeah. But it, like if you had Prosper Boxel, like, fuck, Prosper yeah. Boxel. <laughs> that would be the ultimate, right? <laughs> Anyways, big fan of that paragraph. Jessica asked the police to keep her name out of the public eye, and they did for a very long time, which there's a lot of people and even uh, people in law enforcement positions that aren't thrilled with that decision. They felt it hurt the investigation. And years later, when Jessica's daughter was asked about this, she went on to say that she felt her mother for sure knew who the mystery man was, but would never talk about it, which we're going to get into that a bit more. Police were sure that the man on the beach was Alf Boxel. But in July of 1949, investigators located Alf and he was still alive in Sydney and he still had the copy of the Rubiat that Jessica had given him. His copy still had Tamam shoot at the end and it was a different print than the one that had her number in it. The one she gave Alf was a 1924 edition printed in Sydney. And like we said earlier, the one investigators were working with was a super rare New Zealand print. In the front of Alf's book, Jessica signed her name Justin, capital J, capital E, S T Y N, and then copy the following poem from page 70. Quote, Indeed, indeed, repentance oft before. I swore, but was I sober when I swore? And then and then came spring and rose in hand, my thread bare, penitence a pieces tore. You think you can find the New Zealand print of this book online? Or do you think it's like high? High demand because of the story. I would assume mm. it would be worth a lot of money. I'm just saying we at one point in time got uh, Aztec death whistles over on Amazon. Maybe we can get this book over. On <laughs> get the ruby out over. You <laughs> <laughs> can get it tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Right. I am not going to go ahead and buy that right now. <laughs> Overnight delivery available. I know. <laughs> this is prime available. <laughs> Have it in 20 minutes. <laughs> The guy is literally waiting outside your house. Just hit buy and he will be right there with it. <laughs> a lot of things wrapped up here in this Rubiat. Maybe it was just, you know, like you said, popular. It was trendy. So everyone had the Rubiat. So maybe it's not as big a deal as it sounds like now. Yeah, it's from the way I read it. It was like a almost a cliche thing to mm. give someone the Rubiat like. Oh, I really like you. Here's a cut, you know. Okay. So maybe everyone oh. everyone had it. Yeah. Or like to show how like um you were sweet on someone. Yeah, or if like you were a guy like one to show that you had feelings like you were deeper than whatever, you know. Nowadays our fucking dumbasses just give flowers. Ooh, flowers. I want to give someone a book. That's yeah. cooler. Persian poems. Yeah. All right, I'm getting on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can find this motherfucker. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell this. Anyways, continue. Investigators who worked this case are confident that Justin, with the capital 
J capital E S T Y N or Jessica's full name, Jessica Harkness, um, maybe even Harkness Thompson has something to do with the cipher, whether it be the key or something along those lines, but no one has been able to figure it out, but everybody is certain that it has something to do with it. Mm. Especially that capital J capital E S T Y N. That is very odd. And that was in the other Rubiat book. That was in Alf so Boxel's. those tie together. Right. She signed her name that in, box, in, in Alf Boxel's. I don't know. And man. it was not the New Zealand print. It was a Sydney print from mm-hmm. 1924. Jessica's up to something. Oh, absolutely. With the Rubiat. <laughs> well, her daughter fucking kind of gave her out there at the end. Like her daughter knew something was up. In 1949, the man's body was buried in Adelaide's West Terrace Cemetery, and his marker says, quote, here lies the unknown man who is found at Somerton Beach, December 1st, 1948. Seven months they had his body. Yeah, they held on to it for a while because they just couldn't. Have to, right? I read that they sent his prints all over the world, like the the FBI here cleared him. They did not have his prints on file. Yeah, they did dental records. No one had any dental records. Like, complete mystery who this guy is. Hmm. Not long after he was buried, flowers began showing up at his grave, like an excessive amount. Police staked it out and found that a woman was responsible for all the flowers. She was questioned, but the results of that interview and her name are unknown. In, In this case, a lot of the official documentation has been lost over time. And some people think that some of that was done on purpose. Sounds like there might be a cover-up down under. (laughs) But why, Dave? Why? I don't know. Because the guy was possibly a spy. There were at least two areas that would have been spied on in Adelaide at that time. The Radium Hill Uranium Mine and the Woodmera Test Range Military Research Facility. Also, right around the time of the man's death, Australia reorganized their intelligence and security agencies to line up with the Venona project. That's My how- Verona. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> the Venona project could be a full episode if we ever wanted to get into World War II spy stuff. But essentially part of the program was a massive crackdown on Soviet Union spies in Australia. Which brings us back to Jessica Thompson's daughter, Kay Thompson. Remember we said that Jessica's daughter 100% thinks that her mother knew the unknown man. Kate said that at one point her mother told her that she had lied to the police about the man. And based on the way her mother talked about the man, Kate thought that he was a level higher than normal law enforcement. Kate Thompson went on to say that her mother was very into communism and spoke fluent Russian, but would never say why or how she knew to speak it. That's a clue. It's a big one. Yeah. (laughs) Another theory regarding the man being a spy, as well as Jessica Thompson, has to do with Alf Boxel. Boxel's military record has been noted as odd. He started out as a pretty low-level guy serving in the water transport company. Then out of nowhere, he goes to a very high-level special operations unit called the North Australia Observer Unit. Once there, Alf was promoted really fast. Like within three months, he was the highest rank of the unit. He's a go-getter. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Guy named Alf Boxel. Of course he's a go-getter. You have to be a go-getter when you're given that name, right? With a name like that. I mean, you are military, so yeah. might as well make him the face of your military. Definitely as much killed you people. 
<laughs> I don't know any Alf boxels that have never killed a man. So Alf also did a TV interview with Stuart Littlemore in 1978 about the case. Uh, Stuart Littlemore asked, quote, Mr. Boxel, you had been working, hadn't you, in an intelligence unit before you met this young woman talking about Jessica. Did you talk to her about that at all? In reply, Alf says, quote, no. When asked if Jessica could have known, Alf replied, quote, not unless somebody else told her. When Littlemore suggested in the interview that there may have been espionage connection to the dead man in Adelaide, Alf replied, quote, it's quite a melodramatic thesis, isn't it? Okay, Alf. Well, evasive there, pal. <laughs> From there in the timeline, in 1986, the Summerton man's suitcase and contents were destroyed to clear up uh, evidence space. In 1994, the Chief Justice of Victoria did a study of the case and found that the evidence concludes that poisoning was the cause of death, which is absurd in 1994. Like The way that that reads is that they basically just yeah. looked at the old evidence and was like, Yep. Yep. They were right. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, April 26, 1995. Prosper Thompson died. August 17th, 1995. Alf Boxel died. May 13th, 2007. Jessica Thompson died. October 14th, 2019. The Attorney General of South Australia granted approval for the summer to man to be exhumed so DNA could be obtained. And May 19th, 2021 that took place and we'll just have to wait and see if anything turns up with his DNA. Mm. So we talked about the, the theory that, you know, the spy theory going to your theory about uh, a suicide note. Just not a theory, but let's <laughs> entertain. Okay. This is a quote theory. Jessica Thompson. Um, she also had a son named Robin. Robin looks a hell of a lot like the Summerton man. He does, and he has those facial abnormalities with his ear and, right. the, and the structure of his jaw or something else that only 1% to 2% of the population have. Yeah. So so the thought is, or the theory with that, is that he was in town trying to reconnect with Jessica, that they had had an affair, and that they had a son together, and he was trying to reconnect. She didn't want to, so he took the tamam shoot. It's finished, took it, and then went and committed suicide. You know, sewed it in his pocket and committed suicide because he was just, you know, broken heart. And Did he have that book perhaps with him because he knew she liked that book? And it was part of his M.O. and trying to talk to her. But after all this Maybe happened, he was going to give it to her. Maybe he was going to give it to her. She pushed him out. Maybe he did, like you said, tore that out and then just was walking down the street and threw the book in a car or... Threw it somewhere and someone picked yeah, there it up. You go. Maybe it's that. not as sinister as, you know. Look, I, I know it's thing. not the sexy answer, but I lean towards it with suicide. That's kind of where I'm at with this one. I don't know if this is as big as a conspiracy as maybe the theories would suggest. I'm not saying that I'm right, but that's what I'm leaning towards. So here's what I'm thinking. So this guy showed up at the house. So he had his briefcase with him. He checked it in at the train station or whatever and walked over to, what's her name, Jessica's house. Mm-hmm. Got into a scuffle with Prosper. Prosper killed him. Or maybe they both killed him. And then to throw police off the trail, they did this, uh, tore the page out of his book because she was familiar with the Rubiat, knew what it meant. Did like the sewing, whatever, into his uh, trousers to make it sound like a suicide and then dumped him on the beach. How about that? 
think it could be just as plausible as yeah. a suicide one. That'd be some hell of, hell of some good thinking, though. Like, oh, I remember this book. Let's cut this out and put it in his pocket. Yeah. You know, your initial thought would be you would just scribble and know. Maybe the book opened to the last page as the scuffle took place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and then they and a moonlight that's right. shine they right him, on that and it said it's, it's finished like <laughs> cut this out and sew it into his pockets but then they would have had to have the thread there to sew the fob pocket so maybe he had his briefcase and then prosper went back to the train station and checked the suitcase into there but see now it that really wasn't him now you talked me back into the suicide because he mm. had all access to him the guy himself had access to all of that he could have sewed it in, checked his luggage, went about to go see her, and then killed himself. Or or saw her, went back with his luggage, sewed it, checked it, and killed himself. Like, does, is that something a guy would do, though? Sew a new pocket into his pants? But maybe, did he could he have had the pocket to hide, like, a, the knife or the, a sharp edge or something? Already had it there? Was, it wasn't, was it, like, an actual pocket. It was... It was a pocket in a pocket. Right, but yeah. it was, like... Sewn clothes, sewn clothes, right? Yeah. Like they had to actually cut the thread to get to that get out. So this is the only part where, in my mind, I almost and I know it might not make sense. It for me, it's almost like a romanticized, like, oh, I'm gonna sew it in my pocket, and then one day they're gonna find this that you know I killed myself. That could be, that, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, the thing that throws all that off for me is the cipher. To but, the point of that, but yeah. could it have even been hit? Like it might have been a stolen book. Maybe it was in T. Keen's luggage when he stole the luggage. But then why would she sign her name, Justin, with a capital J and a capital E? It's very weird. And even people that are into ciphers say that that is definitely, that the way she signed that is definitely linked to that code somehow. They just can't figure it out. I, yeah. I, like that, that part throws it all off for me. Sure. And if the spy thing was an actual thing, how does it play? To that, if this was just a domestic love suicide kind of thing, yeah, like maybe there's a little bit of everything in here. Mm. Maybe there were spies, but also in love and stuff. Yeah, I like I think about it one way, and I go, "Well, then, what does this have to do with it?" That's all the good stories, though, right? That's the fun ones. Maybe the clothes were used, and that was Tikin, and you know that that's nothing to do with anything. And maybe he bought this book. At a used bookstore, and maybe the cipher wasn't even his. So maybe that's nothing as well. But that's what I was saying. Maybe the book was T. Keen's. And when he stole the luggage, the book was already in there with this cipher. And then. But the book was found in that random guy's car, right? But then Mm -hmm. what Dave said, maybe he cut the page out and just threw the book or ditched it or was slumming that night in their back seat because it was left open and left the book. Maybe he bought, or maybe he did buy the book because he. Like I think one of you said, he was in love with Jessica and mm-hmm. remembered it. I mean, the T. Keen thing might just be used clothes. Yeah. That I don't put really a lot of mean stock that he that stole yeah. a briefcase or anything from anybody. No, but I, that's just kind of how I've portrayed this guy or mm-hmm. in my mind, maybe that, you know, whatever. I don't think T. Keen plays a role in the end of this story either way, whether yeah. he stole the clothes or not. Yeah. I'm not sure. So going back to Robin, the son. Now, Robin had a daughter that was given up for adoption who ended up reconnecting with her birth mom years ago. And now she believes that the Summerton man is her granddaughter, is her grandfather. 
okay. and was pushing for the the DNA testing with the exhumation. And the doctor that's been studying his hazer his whole life and trying to prove it that brought this to Rachel, they got married now. So there's like all these weird things going on. It'll be interesting what the DNA shows. If they can find something, yeah. How long does that take? I mean, because this was over a year ago. Like, yeah. how long till we hear some results? Fuck Depends what's left there. in the body, you know? How well the embalming or how much DNA is left. But that's what I mean. Like, is that something they cannot tell in a few months? Like, hey, we're going to get nothing out of this. I don't know. Yeah, 23 and me. You figure that out real quick, right? Yeah. If he had a bloodline, I mean, who knows? It might be nothing. Which that would be fucking crazy if it comes back and he's just straight up a mystery. Yeah. That would be quite a twist. Yeah, that would make it a little bit more uh, like fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. These are some of the most fun stories to discuss because... You, you can just go on and on about what theory, you know, maybe everything we said, it's a little bit of each, but we were, did never hit the nail on the head. And, you know, and then some of these things, I think people look into so much that probably have nothing to do with the end result. You know, it's just like, oh, well, here's the theory of, you know, T. Keen. And meanwhile, like, no, it was just a guy who gave his stuff to, you know, to the, the you know, people in need. Yeah, it's something that seems odd, but it's just right. uh, easily explainable. Right. But then because you don't know the whole story, you start nitpicking every single thing. I like that, though. It makes it fun. Mm-hmm. One of the retired Australian police officers that was there uh, and interviewed Jessica Thompson said that she was being very evasive during the questioning. And they were confident that she knew who this guy was. A hundred percent confident. I watched the 60 minutes Australia show that interviewed Jessica's daughter. Mm -hmm. She was also a hundred percent certain her mom knew who this was and convinced she was a Russian spy too. That's where I land on this is somehow it's spy related. Maybe he killed himself, you know, because he was heartbroken and things like that. Somewhere in here, somebody's a spy. So you think, but, but then do you think the rush, the spy aspect had something to do with his death, or maybe she was a spy who just happened to have an affair with a man that she wanted nothing to do with, and so she just had him killed him or told him to go away, and he killed himself. Yeah, I think that's. You, I think she was. She is definitely a spy of some or working. So then, from some. I think that's. Sort. Yeah. So then, I guess the final question then is: Do you think then that she killed him, or that she turned him down, and then he killed himself? I think he probably killed himself, or maybe he was poisoned. For, or maybe she killed like, him. Or maybe he did. Yeah, or maybe she know. killed him from you know some spy stuff. Maybe he wasn't even a spy, but he knew she was, and he was blackmailing her. And that's was what I thought he was her. saying. Yeah. That's what I thought Ian was okay. saying. Is I, I thought you were saying that she might have for sure was a spy. He pro- might not have been. Or you're just yeah. saying you don't know. No, I think she for sure was a spy. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe like you guys said, maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Seems likely. And we know uh, Alf Boxel was in the t- intelligence, you know, something interesting going on there too. I can't yeah. really put my finger on it, but, but again, is it even connected? Like, or is that something that exactly. we're making, you know, right. something big out exactly. of it was just a, a brief relationship he had with her years ago. That doesn't really amount to anything besides now, the way she signed the copy of the Rubiat that she gave him. Right, which they're sure matches the cipher. People that have studied it are sure that that, in, connects to it somehow. that's part of the key yeah either that or her full name something yeah. with her name and that justin signature connects to the cipher 
Is it possible he was waiting for her at the beach and a kangaroo he got in a fight with a kangaroo? <laughs> the kangaroo punched him and killed him. Is that at all possible? Like he was knocked out laying on the beach. Knocked out from the kangaroo. <laughs> and just died. And just died on the beach. <laughs> he got rude. That's the answer I most want to believe. <laughs> I want to see him and a kangaroo like throwing hands. And it just went awry for this guy. <laughs> Kangaroo's like, it's a mom shud, motherfucker. Yeah. Just walked off fucking like Nate Diaz. <laughs> I've never seen a kangaroo on a beach, though. Aren't they always like kind of out like in like the prairie lands? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I Can was you told. imagine like laying out on the beach and fucking a, like a pack of kangaroos just runs by? <laughs> like stealing all your drinks and food and shit? Fantastic. I that's- was told by an Australian listener that they the kangaroos are like deer here like we see deer every once in a while just like in your neighborhood and stuff yeah. that's how kangaroos are there you're not going to see them on a beach no you don't see deer on beach but you don't no. f- don't fuck with them and they won't fuck with you is how it was explained to it's me it's an easy an Whereas, un- uneasy piece like yeah. kind of like a deer like if you go up and fuck with a deer like especially a buck chances are you're going to get fu- you're oh, gonna yeah. get but at the same time it. like i feel like Deer like freeze when they look at you. If you make a motion, sometimes you can scare them. They run off. Yeah. I feel like a kangaroo ain't going to fucking do that. Maybe a smaller one. A kangaroo's like, step, motherfucker. Step. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I mean, that's the way they look to me. And that's what I'm going to pretend they are. I mean, I wouldn't like, mess with it. Like kangaroos look to me like that guy at 2 a.m. who leaves a bar looking for a fight. And that's how I think of kangaroos all the time. <laughs> like they're those guys drunk looking for a fight at 2 a.m. Like, who the fuck am I going to knock out today? I've seen the videos. Men and kangaroos having fist fights. <laughs> this is a wild society they are living in. That last one, that kangaroo was fucking jacked. Yeah. Was that you that sent it to us? The I one don't recently? Know. Someone sent it to me, but that thing was pumped up and like, ready to go. I'm not stepping to these things. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that the Cleveland Zoo, like those little wallabies they have. I was there that, the other day. Yeah. Those little wallabies. The little yeah. train area. Oh, they're adorable. Yeah, not that kind. No. no. Those things are six feet tall when they're like all, you know, jacked up and hulking up to you, waiting for you to make the first move so they can make the last move. So is that the final answer? This guy got that's punched. The, that's, the, kangaroo. that's 100% the one I want to believe. I don't buy it. Mostly for the geography of it. I don't think you're going to see a kangaroo just hopping down. The, how hard would that be to just kind of hop down the sand, too? It's exhausting. Yeah. At, at least, you at, least valid for, point. at least for us, you know, our, you know, weak human beings from kangaroos, <laughs> they could probably fucking do it all day long. I don't know. Speaking of the beach, I wish there was a way that they could have tested like the sand that was found in the, in his pants in the briefcase to see if it matched that beach. Oh, that's that a good would one. be interesting. Like, cause was he changed? Right. Was he there longer than they, yeah. than they thought? Yeah. Cause the official police thing said that he got there, went to the city bath, got cleaned up and then, mm. okay. Then died. Um, Real quick. Don't kangaroos have like pockets in their stomach. Maybe that's what that kangaroo was trying to sew. The fob pocket onto him. <laughs> like, like, like a calling like, sign. Like they, they like, kill you, then they sew a pocket right. on you. Kind of mimicking the pocket that they have on them. Mm. Mm. Just wanted additional evidence to point towards the kangaroo death story. But we can move <laughs> a on kangaroo now. knocks him out, then sits there, pulls out a sewing kit, <laughs> and sews it into his pants. And Australians are just like, ah, oh, look at that. <laughs> Keep on walking. <laughs> kangaroo sewing again. <laughs> Kangaroo's 115, human zero. <laughs> Uh, Dave, you mentioned the zoo. 
you went recently. Uh, I think you had texted us about that this weekend, and I asked, and you never responded. If you did, I missed it. Did you see the gorilla exhibit and the new baby gorilla? I there? did see the new baby gorilla. Is it not adorable? It's delightful. Yeah. The gorillas are my favorite part of the zoo. Yeah. That was fun. Was it just crawling on the mom? Uh, mom was cradling it, so you Aww. could just really see its head. It's very I, small. She was using the mom as like a jungle gym type when I was there, just crawling That's all cool. over the back. And I was like, <laughs> that is fantastic. I need to see this. You're a big zoo guy. You're yeah. the zoo guy. Yeah, you should go soon. Go. The baby is quite adorable. I went to the Akron Zoo this year so far. Also good zoo. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a baby gorilla. Nope. No, they don't have gorillas at all. They do not. I got like 16,000 steps in that day. It was a lot of walking. Man, you, and you did like the little step. Mm-hmm. You didn't take the outside hill because nope. you had to be a fucking moron to do that. <laughs> like that's, that's for the trams. <laughs> but like there's like a wooded like because the, the, the way the Cleveland Zoo is shaped like it's a huge hill. And to get to like the highest part because the entrance, of course, is at the bottom. So you drive down your park, you go in at the bottom to get to like the top where like the primates are. There's the aquarium up there. Mm-hmm. You have to either walk up this long hill that goes the perimeter like of the gate and is in the sun almost the entire time but less gradual of a climb less gradual of a climb or, or more gradual of a climb sorry more gradual not as steep not as steep yeah but if you go through the you can cut through and it's a shaded area that has like a, a real steep ramp and also steps yeah. either way you get to the top you're sweating your fucking balls off it was warm and uh you made the trek though Good for you. And you go into primate uh, area. Air conditioned. It's beautiful. It really is. (laughs) It's the only reason why. Well, I like the primates. And then you go to the aquarium and I'm like, okay, now I'm just here to cool off because aquarium. Well, it's not an aquarium. We're being very liberal with that. It's just you look at a few fish tanks. I went to the aquarium a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I've never been to the Cleveland Aquarium. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. Do they have like the little moving walkway? No, but you can just like you walk through a tunnel and there's like fucking sharks swimming over your head. That's what I think. I went to the Toronto Aquarium years ago. It was real expensive, but it was cool. And like you you go on like one of those like moving sidewalks that they have at like uh, airports and such, Mm -hmm. and it just takes you through as like the sharks and all are swimming around you. And it was it was neat. And then it's nice because you don't have to fucking wait for people to walk. Like you're all just kind of moving together. Yeah. Like, excuse me, excuse me. Hey, can you fucking move, dipshit? (laughs) (laughs) You can pet stingrays at this one at our aquarium. Oh, I heard you had a story about that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I went and I walked in there and uh, me and my daughter, we just like petting the stingrays. That's what you're supposed to do, whatever. So we're like reaching down in and like petting them and stuff. Like I'm my fucking t-shirt sleeve is getting wet. And so is hers. Like we got full arms in. And all of a sudden this lady gets on the microphone. She's like, remember to keep uh only go to your wrist. And I look up and there's all these fucking signs. And this lady's just straight up looking at me while I have my whole arm in. You got reprimanded. I did. Yeah. Cause no one else was doing that. Everybody else just had their wrist in. Well, everyone knows how it ended for Steve, uh, Irwin or the, uh, Steve Irwin. Yeah. 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 They don't, you know, I'm going to edit this conversation and turn it into a fisting discussion. These <laughs> <laughs> things I only have up to my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're giving him a lot of meat to strike there, pal. <laughs> Going all the way into your shoulder. <laughs> what did I say? My sleeve was wet. Yeah. <laughs> Now you're just thinking about how you're going to edit this. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Anything else on this one? I think she's definitely a spy. Mm-hmm. I think she off this guy. I can't put all this together. 
how or why the spy ring worked, but I think there was uh, some spying going on. And I think, uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was up to, but I think she and or her husband killed this guy. So I think we all agree she might have been a spy or connected in some way. Dave thinks she offed him. I lean more towards a suicide. Ian, your final thought. So I think she was definitely a spy. I lean towards that they had an affair of some form because of the way her son looks and like those 1% traits. I think we're going to find out that that kid was hers. If they are able to pull DNA, I think the the kid Robin, her son will be this guy's kid. Is there a chance they announce it on Maury? No, Maury retired. Whoever took his place. Steve Harvey. (laughs) Sure. He would love it. (laughs) Maybe the husband had something involved or prosper. Right. Or, but did we, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Did we have any idea if Prosper was connected to anything? Like, what, he wasn't. We know Alf was military, mm-hmm. and she was very into communism. And she could speak fluent Russian. But we don't have anything like that on Prosper that we know of. No. Mm-mm. So she was a spy. She definitely hooked up with the unknown man and had a kid with him. I think that's definitely accurate, yeah. I hope they pulled some DNA because I really yeah. like because they have the girl, his his granddaughter Rachel, supposedly. So we'll be able to tell. Yeah, and that was the college professor, right? That got into this. Who's now her husband? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's weird. Really weird. <laughs> that guy yeah, just like made this into a whole web. It's like, his whole just, life. Yeah, he wanted. <laughs> I'm going to marry her now. <laughs> he wanted to be really connected to this story. Yeah. He's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just marry his fucking granddaughter. <laughs> So now his kids are related to the Summerton man. Like yeah. he actually inserted himself into the story and into her. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool story. I never heard yeah. of it before. Really interesting. I said it a hundred times, but the, these stories with no answers are always, I think the most fun for me to cover because you can just debate and discuss the different theories. Yeah. The picture's creepy. He's got mm-hmm. that weird looking, almost cauliflower ear thing going on what it reminds me of is that like the photo of just like his his like dead body like his face mm-hmm. yeah and there's the side picture the side view where you can see that puffed up ear well so he was a wrestler dave so what <laughs> that's what it looks like <laughs> not that bad but that's what it started to resemble all right i don't know i'm afraid we might never have an answer here i kind of hope we don't yeah it would be cool if it came back and his dna was just completely unknown wiped yeah. no one else on the planet they could find a bloodline so we discuss stories like this, John Bonet. Well, take John Bonet out of this because, of course, we want to know what happened with that one. We want to know who killed her. But a story like this, like Dyatlov Pass, like D.B. Cooper. Do you want to know the answers to all of those or do you want them to always be that mystery and intrigue? John Bonet, I'm taken out. We want to know who killed her. Obviously, you yeah. want to see justice. But like these, like D.B. Cooper which we covered patreon.com slash Necronomapod, the Summerton man and Dyatlov pass. Like, do you want to know, or is it, is it more fun to, to, to discuss and debate it and watch documentaries and hear theories? I think that's right. I think it's more fun to debate. Or are they all, maybe there's some yeah. you want to know, like, do you want to know Dyatlov and not this? Like, is there, or are they all in the same category? I don't want to know D.B. Cooper because I always just like to think that motherfucker got away with all that cash. <laughs> I'm like, good for you, man. I agree. It's <laughs> a great plan. Yeah. And I'd yeah. like to think he got away. So if he did not or if he died on impact or whatever it is, all the different versions of the 
the, the story that people have. And I guess this one might be different, too, because there could have been a murder here. And so you would want to see justice if that's the, the theory you believe. I'd like to know what happened this one. I just think it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to hear about it. Because shortly after, not shortly after, right, uh, maybe 1960, they had the Petrov affair in Australia where the Russian foreign minister or the Russian ambassador defected and it was a whole interesting thing. So there was definitely Russian spy activity going on. The spy stuff is very interesting yeah, too. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. I just think it'd be cool to figure out what happened. So you would put DB Cooper and, and what about Dyatlov? Oh, I don't want to know what happened there. No. So Dyatlov and DB Cooper, you're putting in the, yeah. let's leave that for debate. Yeah. Cause you know, Occam's razor says that, Tiatlov Pass could probably be explained pretty easy, you know, yeah. probably, but it, yeah, it's more oh, fun where's, to debate. Where's the fun in that? Exactly. Yeah. Even if we get the DNA. It was a Yeti. Proving. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely 100% was a Yeti. They had that creepy ass picture, remember? That's right. Ivan wandering. I forgot about the picture of the Yeti. I was going to say, even if we determine this Rachel um was related to him you still it's not an answer it's not gonna really prove anything unless you can find a bloodline somewhere right even that's not necessarily gonna give you the story no it's just gonna confirm that she they had a sure that jessica thompson at least hooked up with this guy yeah. at one point which i think is likely so yeah i don't think we'll ever get the full story now she's definitely a spy though i'm 100 percent confident of that there's something there's something there for sure with how she signed her name on Alf Boxel's copy of the Ruby up. That's a weird fucking way to sign. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like if someone signed that and gave that to me, I'd be like, what, what is this? That's not, your name's Jessica. Well, that indicates he was a spy too, then at least in some, I think he was too. Well, he said he worked for intelligence, right? Maybe she was a double spy Maybe she was a double agent. Uh, who knows? I mean, they could be so many <laughs> different things. But yeah, keep an eye on this one. See if they come up with anything on the DNA. Fun stuff. It'd be interesting just to, I guess, find. Would they be able to find out actually who he was? Would they be able to find out a name through DNA? You'd have to find relatives and then work backwards, I think. Find a relative that's alive and then go from Trace there. Trace the tree back and then look at government records for the guy's name. I, I don't know. And that assumes that someone in that bloodline's in the database, right? Which is not always the case. I think the biggest thing I would want to know with this is why was Tamam Shud sewed into his pocket yeah. within a pocket? Like It was a suicide note. Was it something like that? Was it like a, like you said, a romanticized thing, like saying, oh, it's finished, it's on, or was there some type of a spy connection to that, to that, that phrase and he had it on him for some reason yeah like if he was a spy if he was a part of like a spy ring too right like if he had that like if those words meant something because we talked about uh, in our creepy audio episode the number stations mm -hmm. that spies would use and yeah, it was like yeah. the, the yosemite sam one where it's like every it play like clips every once in a while like someone just heard that they'd be like what the fuck is this sure, but it's sure. actually for spy stuff wasn't that on patreon it was patreon.com slash <laughs> creepy audio Aztec death whistles might that quickly rose in ranks. I think from listeners, from what I've heard and seen and amongst us top episode.
That was, was a good. That was a, lot of fun. that was a really good episode. A lot of fun. Highly recommend it. If you're not if you're not on Patreon, get on Patreon and check that one out. It's available at the five dollar level. If you are on Patreon and haven't listened, check it out. Uh, we play a dump, bunch of different creepy audio clips, and then end up spending money on Amazon that night. A lot of fun. Yeah. Do you? We have had so many people send, uh, like videos of them with their new <laughs> Aztec death whistles. I was blowing mine today. Dave, you can cut that audio. I already, I already did. I already did a timestamp on that one. God damn it. <laughs> Yes, I do. Hey, uh, Ian, how's that dog of yours doing? That's <laughs> blowing mine today. <laughs> um, it is like I'll just walk by randomly and like be like, "Oh, there's my whistle." Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> like people thinking, like, "Oh God," there's a woman being attacked somewhere nearby, and we know College Mike lives in this neighborhood, so we better go watch out. <laughs> All right, we got some uh, new patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Cheryl, Sunny Glaze, Steph DePizzo, Kate Mix, Abby, Logan Havinga, Riker, Kirk Payne, Mindy Smith, Mike Litteris, Jezebel Cavalli, Audrey, Tyler Steeb, Morgan, Ramsey, Lizzie Touches Jared's Dangle. Clint Beastwood, Captain Hyman Shocker. I believe it was Clit Beastwood. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I did misread that. Clit Beastwood. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Hyman Shocker. Uh, Tutu Late Leal. Randy Eaves. Scott Donjon. Albert Villagomez. Connor Fair. Boss Fatty D. Power Man of the Seaman Fleet. <laughs> That fleet gets bigger every day. <laughs> Tell you what, if we ever decide to go to war as Necronomapod, I think we, our Navy, we're ready to go. <laughs> I think we're set. Don't yeah. attack us on land. We're fucked. <laughs> but if you want to fight on the high seas, let's go. Uh, thank you to Enormous Peter. Jennifer. <laughs> Is that yours? No, no, it's not. Oh. Jennifer Caden Day. Kirsten Ruzika, Spencer Rogers, Eaton, Dixon, Butts, and Loving It. <laughs> That's yours. No, it's not. Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a great one. It reminds me of like a Three Stooges bit. J-Rod Prime, Jamie Pender, Josh, Jeffrey Tucker, Jenna, Audrey Rose, IPA Save the Day, Mike Roofied Me. <laughs> That's not funny at all. <laughs> not true. This one is something else. Kvarthiasitism pronostumpsheepisk. Okay. Thank you. Dave Powell. Anita BJ now. <laughs> That's yours. <laughs> and I only know that because Dave follows along on his computer and he looked at me before I read that one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> That's a good one. Tori McEwing, Peter Murray, Tacotron Prime, Sarah Wilson, God is a Gun. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Samantha Loves Dave. 
She's really uh Oh, Samantha's wait, back. She's oh. figuring it out that she can just keep bumping herself up to the top of the list. <laughs> well, what did she edit her post to say? She had like a comma. Um uh, still obsessed with the podcast. She still loves Dave. Oh, thanks, Samantha. She tries to listen to other podcasts and she gives up after about 15 minutes. So who was it? We had uh, Samantha loves Dave and Amy. And there was like two other women that Ian, you and I were going to book a steel cage match, right? There's someone else. Or was yeah. it a ladder match? Dave on a Dave on a pole match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we hang Dave on a pole. Yeah. Well, not by his neck, of course. That'd be not comfortable. And the way wrestling, you've seen them pole matches, Dave? Mm-hmm. They're ridiculous. I mean, it's not ladder matches. It's like a pole match where it's in the corner of the ring. Oh, I'm thinking ladder. No, yeah. I'm not sure of them. <laughs> They're so stupid. I think it was uh, Kara, Amy, and Samantha oh. in a three-way. Not that he keeps track of this by <laughs> any means. So anyways, we, we do, anyways, we'll just hang you from the ceiling. You know, you know, we'll make you comfortable. And the first woman to beat their opponents down and climb the ladder and get you. Nice. Wins you. Hmm. And Ian and Mike Namapod production. And we'll commentate the whole thing. Yeah, we'll commentate. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. Well, one of us will commentate. One of us will be the special referee. We need some law and order in there. Right. So, yeah, Samantha loves Dave. Uh, Kev Connerly. Nile J, El Paso lover, Nico a knight, Juicy Pussy, <laughs> Juicy Pussy, <laughs> and KB Rock two two three. Thank you for the awesome review. Juicy Pussy this is absurd. It's <laughs> exactly how it's spelled That's too. P P O O O O S Y. Thank you, Ms. Pussy. I hear it in Matthew McConaughey's voice in my head. Ju- really? Juicy poo- That was Bill Clinton, pal. I was Juicy Pussy. Dave, what do you got? I have one for Simon Treby from Norway. G Promo from Canada. AFC PFO from Canada. Cats Rule from Canada. Gabriel Atrelu from Brazil and not Joe Peck from New Zealand. So we are all over the world tonight. And we gave some New Zealand shout outs tonight with uh, their book. Yeah. How about that? Well, I didn't really think we shout them out, but we, we mentioned, mentioned them. We them yeah, so sure. You're welcome. Still counts. You're welcome, pal. And I also have <laughs> a shout out over. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a shout out for our pal Ginny from Arkansas sent us some lovely shirts from old wrestling. I believe that you two had mentioned wanting to get at the last show we were at. You were unable to and magically they appeared courtesy of Ginny. So Ginny, thank you so much. I have zero recollection of discussing that on the show, but I'm assuming we did. I mean, unless she's, you know, tracking us and stalking us, which I don't think she's doing. Um, but yeah, at we Ian and I both walked into Old Wrestling when we uh, had sponsored that show. Uh, I don't know what, a month ago or so, whatever Summer it was. Went. And we both saw at the merch table these shirts. And we're like, oh yeah, we're for sure gonna buy those. Went back at intermission, sold the fuck out. <laughs> we must have bitch and whined about it enough on the show. So thank you, Jenny. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. Very kind. Thank you. It's like maybe, Christmas kind of. Maybe when we all yeah. take that photo with our mustaches, we'll wear those same exact shirts too. All right. Dave's like, I don't agree to that one. Um, I am not taking a mustache photo, no. That's okay. When you take your BTK photos, that's when I'll take the mustache photo. 
Well, that might have to happen now. Because <laughs> I don't think you'll do a mustache. <laughs> and I was just about to say, it's okay, Dave. We always make promises for photos. We can't be held accountable to. The difference is when I was made mine, we 226 people listened. You got 30,000 right now, pal. I think people forgot. So that's why I made that meme yesterday to entertain myself. And, and like one, no, they did not forget. One person was interested. The rest were like, no, we don't want to <laughs> fucking see that. I think people don't realize that like, you know, those BTK photos are old and poor quality. Nowadays, cell phones, even if you use that or cameras, they're all fantastic. I'm a hairy dude with hairy thighs and a fantastic dad bod. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> you don't want to see this photo or pictures of me wearing lingerie. I, I know I do. I mean, I would. I'd laugh. Look, I'm not trying to kink shame you guys. <laughs> Get some enjoyment. I'm not trying to kink shame, but ain't nobody got time for that. I got plenty of time for that. <laughs> I might I'll even take the picture. I might just do it now so that Dave has to do a mustache photo. <laughs> we'll do it. Just me and you will do it. I'll take the pictures. We'll come in with them one day. We'll sit them down and say, all right, now it's time for a mustache picture. Oh, the he won't BTK? Even, yeah, he we'll won't even know about him on it. Yeah. All right. We'll just show up with him one day. <laughs> okay. Whew. I have to relook at those photos. I don't remember what they are. Like there was one of him laying in a grave, right? Yeah. I'm not laying in a fucking grave. He's got like a fucking plastic bag over his head and shit. They're weird. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is just really your guys' chance to like, oh, Mike, yeah, just put that bag over your head and lay in that grave. <laughs> and he's fucking bury me alive. And you're like, well, we got rid of that asshole. There's one where he's, he's like, one- snuff me out. Isn't one of them where he's wearing like a, like a woman's like nightgown type thing and his hands are bound behind his back. He's he's being hung from a tree, right? Yeah, that sounds right. That's the most terrifying one that of him, I thought. Mm. I also remember one like he's in a chair in like lingerie with his hands tied and he's like looking at the camera like he's all disturbed. We can do that one. We can do that one right now. If, <laughs> well, if only we had that old chair that I had. Remember what used to, you guys used to force me to use here in yeah, studio? Yeah, it's any other room. We can do We that. can use that one. Yeah. Go vintage Mike Namapod in his old chair <laughs> before we got these comfy ones. All right. Wow. I think we've bullshitted longer than the episode lasted. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Necronomapod for all of our bonus content. Necronomapod.com for stickers, three packs. Are they still on sale? Yes, sir. Still on sale. We're still working on koozies. They will be back at some point. Uh, and amazon.com, search Necronomapod for all of our latest merch. Thank you all so much. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.